We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always, my co-host, Nick Pilato. Today, we're here to break down the Giants salary cap situation as we head into the 2022 offseason. What it means for today, what it means for tomorrow, what it means for 2022, 2023, and beyond. Before we do that, I did want to say a little update on my end. I am on a little bit of a two-week vacation. I'll be working a little bit during this vacation, but you might not hear as much of me on Twitter as you normally do. And we'll be trying to pump out podcasts, but we shall see. It's a dead time, though. So I don't feel as bad about doing it now. It's a much better time to do it now rather than during free agency, during maybe, you know, the draft, which I would never do, or anything leading up to the draft where we plan to pump out a ton of content. But I'm enjoying myself. You know, this is the one time I get to do it while working in, um, you know, with CBS Sports in the, in the football industry right after the Super Bowl. So taking my time down in Texas right now. Doing a little bit of Austin, San Antonio. It's great down here. I got to be honest. It's 70 and sunny every day. Yeah, I love it. Phoenix is the same exact way. Are you going to Terry Blacks, bro? I'm going to. So I, I'm going to switch it up this time. So I've now done Austin. This is my fourth time doing Austin. It's an incredible city. I would live here if I could, if it wasn't as expensive and if I had any family or friends down here. But I've done Franklin's Barbecue, which in my opinion is the, by far and away the best barbecue in the country without a doubt. Now, Franklin's for sure. You either have to wait on a line that starts at 6 a.m. and then you don't get your food until like I've heard like mid-afternoon or you pull the hack, which we've done twice now on two bachelor parties, which is you order ahead of time and you order takeout and then you could just order it. And for a ter- certain time, you don't have to wait on the line as long as you do takeout. Obviously, takeout's not going to be as good as ordering it on the spot. But man, oh, man, is that barbecue unreal. Best brisket I've ever had and best ribs I've ever had. But then I did Terry Black's last time and I did Terry Black's two times ago. So I'm two times on Terry Black's. I've done La Barbecue, which is also in that tier. All three are amazing. But this time what I want to do is Salt Lick. I know they have a Salt Lick in the airport. But what I've heard is the Salt Lick in the airport is not anywhere near as good as the actual Salt Lick. You got to drive. It's a little bit outside of Austin, Nick. But 
That's where I'm headed for barbecue this time, Salt Lake Barbecue. I'm excited to hear about your experience, to be honest. I tried barbecue out here in Phoenix. It, it wasn't it wasn't the same as Austin, Texas. Let's just yeah, say I that. Can imagine. I can it was a great answer. atmosphere. Great atmosphere. But Does the Phoenix food do anything right from a food standpoint? Uh well, if you go to Scottsdale, there's a lot of good food out there. There's a lot of good Italian restaurants because there's a lot of paisans out there. Now there's not a lot of paisans in, in Phoenix, to be honest. And they do Mexican food really well. I haven't been out to eat enough to really give it an accurate assessment of it, but everything that I've tried, it hasn't lived up to the East Coast. And that's kind of a high standard to to live up to. So I don't want to be too brutal on Phoenix. Very high standard. And let, let's be honest, I may be coming to the wrong person when it comes to food takes, right? <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. My, man does, my man tries to stay under, what is it, 20 grams of sugar a day? Is that what it is or less? <laughs> Oh, geez. I've been breaking that a little bit, but yes, I've been down that, uh, that way of life plenty of times in my life. I think I consume 20 grams of sugar from the moment I wake up. <laughs> I think that I just shovel in the sugar. I, I have problems with sugar, man. I think it's an addictive substance. And if I could eliminate sugar, I might be in much better shape, but let's talk about the giants. All right. That's what we're here to do. And we wanted to look at the total salary cap situation and in this podcast, as you see from the title, it's an eight-step plan, my eight-step plan to clean up the giant salary cap mess. Nick has his own plan as well and his own ideas as well, so we're going to work those in. It's not just mine. But the general theme that it came to, and I want to give a shout-out to our Twitter follow, AM Butter. I don't know if you follow us on here and you listen to the podcast or not. I'm not sure. But AM Butter, I think you said it best. The theme of this salary cap mess the Giants have found themselves in heading into the 2022 offseason is this. Embrace the dead cap because that's all you can do. All you can truly do is embrace the dead cap because the Giants are going to have to take on a shit ton of dead cap this offseason. More than any team ever wants to. And Obviously, that means, let's be honest with ourselves, we're looking at a pretty grim 2022 season. Unless we can lockbox into a lot of these draft picks, Daniel Jones takes a huge jump. And the coaching makes that much of a difference. And, and I do love Dave and what he's going to do for this offense. And I do love Wink and what he'll do for the defense. But you can't, it's the players. And in the end, it's the roster, it's the players. And the Giants are going to have to take on a ton of dead cap. They're going to have to get rid of a lot of players that played a significant percentage of snaps at a high level and put together a lot of production for this team last year with generally speaking, no replacement in sight currently on the roster and likely no replacement really. I mean, potentially a replacement in the draft, I guess, but man, oh man, this situation is ugly. So what I want to do first, Nick, before we get into the plan is take a step back and consider this. Do you feel any kind of, I don't want to say regret, but has your opinion changed at all? on what the Giants did last offseason, you know, we were very excited about it. That whole entire free agency process, the going all in for a quarterback on his rookie contract. Has your opinion of, of that strategy changed at all? Because I know mine has, and we can get into that, but I'm curious first if yours, your take has changed on that. Well, first, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and it obviously did not work out for many reasons. So... I guess I would have to say I do regret it because it didn't work out. But at the time, I understood what they were trying to do. Now, the one thing I did not understand, I completely did not understand, it still doesn't make sense to me, is how they went into the 2021 season comfortable with that offensive line that was in place. That was beyond bonkers, in my opinion. But yeah, looking back at it now, it, it did not work, and the Giants are going to suffer, as the Giants knew, 
they were going to suffer in 2022 from a cap standpoint. It's going to be some tough times. But at the time, and I'm sure if, if the same situation presented itself, I would still maybe be like, hey, look, you got to go for it in this type of situation. I understood why they did it. It's just It just did not work out. So now that we're in hindsight, yeah, it, it sucks that we're in this position. But I just think they can get out of it, and we're going to discuss that throughout the podcast. Yeah, we will discuss an eight-step plan that's going to clear cap space. I mean, look, Joe Shane went into this offseason and says, I want to clear about $40 million in cap space. The only way he's going to do that, and I looked at it today, there's literally no other option but taking on an incredible amount of dead salary cap to do that. There's no other way, looking at the roster, the way it's currently constructed, that they can clear $40 million plus or anywhere near that in cap space without taking on a significant amount of dead cap space. But as far as my thoughts on what they did last offseason, Looking back now, I have two thoughts on it, Nick. The first would be part of the issue for me was I had issues with a lot of their decisions, but I kind of grouped them all in as a whole, right? I'm like, oh, well, they're going all in for this. I really like the idea of getting Galladay. I like what I see on the film. I don't care that they had bid against literally they bid, outbid themselves. No one was bidding against Galladay in that market. They just said, screw it. We'll pay you the price you think you deserved, your market price, quote unquote, despite the fact that there was no bidding for him. But a lot of those conciliary moves there, like Rudolph, I never liked that decision. I expressed it on the podcast. The decision to restructure, re-sign Logan Ryan, restructure, re-sign Shepard. Those are two players on the wrong side of 30, one with an injury history, the other with a position that I don't know how much of an impact makes at all. I mean, Logan Ryan missed a game or two this year, and I thought Julian Love played just as good, if not better than him. And I know he, quote-unquote, is a great locker room guy who keeps the defense together but I don't see that on the field and it hasn't translated to much from his production standpoint, at least for the giants winning games in 2021. It definitely didn't. He had a down year, but in 2020, it's hard to say that Logan Ryan didn't have a big impact on Patrick Graham's defense for sure. But that's part of what happened. I mean, that's part of the factor when you re-sign somebody on the wrong side of 30, you know, you're going to start to see a decline in their play and it started last year and maybe he bounces back this year, but counting on players on the wrong side of 30 to bounce back and pushing back cap hits to the point where you literally cannot move on from Logan Ryan this offseason. The giants have no option. They can only save 775,000 if they cut Ryan and they would take on 11.45 million in dead cap just to cut Ryan. That's the kind of gymnastics they did with his contract. And that's simply not the type of player you need to be doing those kind of contract gymnastics with. I'm okay doing it with somebody like Leonard Williams, who is young and they have done it by the way. I mean, he has like 35 million in dead cap. If they wanted to cut him this off season, they save nothing. That's an uncuttable contract as well, but I'm okay with doing it for a guy like him or a Dory guys who are younger, but the older side veterans, especially at positions that aren't as impactful in my mind, like like that safety role. Like he's not playing the deep half. He's I get it. He he had a role, a good role in Patrick Graham's system. What about Wink Martindale's system? It doesn't look all that promising to me from that standpoint as far as what his role might be within that system. So as I look at the moves less so on a whole and more so on an individual basis, I start to have a little bit of regret. But I think the big regret for me, Nick, is this. Moving forward, I do agree with the idea of being uber aggressive from a salary cap standpoint, right? Like understanding what the saints did and understanding the value and what they did and not just the saints, the Cowboys have done it. The Eagles have done it. Plenty of teams have been very aggressive with their cap, but moving forward for me, Nick, I would want to do it with a quarterback on a rookie contract. Who's a bit more proven at the time rather than what Daniel Jones was heading into last off season after two years in the NFL. I would want to see it with more promise. Like if you give me Justin Herbert right now or Joe Burrow right now as my quarterback, I'm willing to be more aggressive from a cap standpoint, but moving forward with the giants, as far as what they do from a quarterback standpoint, if Daniel Jones is not their long-term answer, 
I'll be a little more hesitant to be in the, all in on this approach, knowing what it could lead to right now, by the way, as we are going to see this offseason with a quarterback who's just a little bit less proven like Jones was heading into last offseason. And I think that's fair to say as well. And honestly, there was another huge mistake that I feel like the Giants made that there was it was it seems like it was a point of contention during the offseason. And that was the fact that Jason Garrett was brought back in 2021 to right. be the offensive coordinator for continuity. And at the time I was like, yeah, the continuity, it does make sense. This is a young guy. He's had a lot of different terminology and a lot of different methods of approach that have been thrown at him over the last several years, dating back to his time at Duke under David Cutcliffe. But this offense needs to change. It cannot be the same static offense, you know, calling three plays to get 10 yards. It cannot be. The whole philosophy has to change. I wasn't optimistic it was going to change whatsoever, and it didn't. And Jason Garrett had that same old vanilla type of offense, a couple little wrinkles here, a couple little trick plays to Kadarius Tony, but the whole philosophy was still static. And then that was another reason why this offense and this team sucked in 2021. And then you fire a midseason, you're bringing Freddie Kitchens, who's calling terminology that's not his. It's just a, a recipe for disaster. So I think that was another reason why a lot of these free agents or these free agent additions also ended up failing in their first year was because they were set up to fail from the beginning because the Giants retained Jason Garrett. Yeah, it's a great point. And it's another lesson learned in the sense of, you know, prioritizing continuity over upgrading from a schematic standpoint. And, and yeah. moving forward, I mean, me and you were on board with this anyway to begin with, but there were obviously people who were in both camps. And I think we're starting to learn moving forward. It's a clear cut. It's pretty close to clear cut. You you need to prioritize the best scheme possible, the best play calling possible, the situational, you know, in, you know individual game plans based on your opponent's specific uh, matchups. Like, it's way more important than continuity. A good quarterback can learn a new system pretty fast. I've seen it with a lot of good quarterbacks across the NFL. I saw it with Aaron Rodgers his first year moving away from Mike McCarthy. And it, you know, if you're a good enough quarterback, you can learn a new system and you could do it fast. And that shouldn't be, you know, that should be not something that we're, you shouldn't be babying your quarterback along in my mind, at least the sense of, well, we know we could probably upgrade the system and get better play calling a better scheme, but we'd rather have continuity and we need continuity for a guy who just hasn't had continuity because that's just not, it, it just didn't work out for the giants. But I, I do also think about something I read today, Nick, that's kind of off topic somewhat, but I was reading a little bit back into the Odell Beckham jr. Uh, situation with the giants when he left the giants. Uh, when he was traded from the Giants and, and some of the quotes that he said uh, that led to kind of the backlash. Um, I remember seeing, you know, Pat Shermer was furious. He he had to apologize to the team. And one thing Odo Beckham said was, we know Eli Manning can, can't run out, move out of the pocket. And we know he can, but we know he can still throw it. But he, he said, everything seems to be too safe right now. And we're taking too much of the underneath stuff. And he's like, maybe that's just because we can't do anything else. And he understood that from a protection standpoint. And I think that played a big factor in last season as well, as you pointed to at the top of the podcast, Nick. With an offensive line like that, how much could we have seen from Kenny Galladay? How much could we have seen from Kadarius Tony? How much could we have seen from Daniel Jones? And, and and even Jason Garrett, to an extent, I don't want to give Garrett an excuse, Nick. But at the same time, I wonder if you talk to Garrett and he said, I wonder what his story would be, because I could tell you what his story would be a lot different than anything we've heard from me, you or any other analyst covering this team in general, because I bet you he'd say a lot about what Daniel Jones did to hold back his offense and what the offensive line did to hold back his offense. 
Yeah, that's obvious too, specifically with the offensive line. And I even think Daniel Jones to an extent. Daniel Jones isn't Tony Romo. Daniel Jones isn't Dak Prescott, even though they had offensive coordinators down there in Dallas. It's just not who Daniel Jones is. And as for the offensive line, as I said earlier in the podcast, it was a, a huge oversight by this regime and this front office to not address the offensive line. Really in free agency, if, okay, Zach Fulton, cool. But Joe Looney in the in the offseason, like, what are we doing here? And then all, more specifically in the draft to bring in some, like, look at Trey Smith, man. And I get it, man. Jeremy Pruitt was this guy's coach in college at Tennessee. He knew the kid. But this was a guy who fell to the sixth round. And you had two picks in the sixth round, and you decided to pass him over. Yes, medicals. He had extreme medicals. But this kid stepped in year one and was an impact guard on one of the best teams, the best offenses in football. And Dave Gettleman's just acting like, oh, well, we have a lot of faith in, in our guys that we have in the building. Really? Do you? Have you seen Matt Parrott? Like, it was just a, a big oversight to not challenge some of those young guys on the offensive line with actual competition. And we saw how it kept the Giants scrambling all the way up until week one, where they had to pull off trades for Billy Price and Ben Bredesen. And yes, that was spawned because of injuries to Shane Lemieux, an injury, a serious injury to Shane Lemieux. But they shouldn't even have been in that situation in the first place if they addressed the part of the team that Dave Gettleman said he was going to fix. And that was, I think, the biggest oversight of Gettleman's era. Oh, without a doubt. And it even goes back to something you've mentioned a lot that I really like the coaching hubris thing like that goes into the Pruitt thing like, oh, I coached him. I don't think this guy has it. I you know, this guy. Meanwhile, there were signs on film that he could potentially be what he was in his rookie year. And obviously it came true. So that's obvious that he could be that. And it all it cost was a sixth round pick. Gary Brightwell of the world, the, the Gary Brightwells of the world that are meaningless players that are going to be nothing to this franchise because they're good on special teams. You like them and you want them on your team. Like, come on, man. Like, it's just like, that's the coaching hubris to me too. Jeremy Pruitt. Oh, I didn't see something in him. And I'm the guy I know. Trust me. I'm a good coach. I didn't, you know, I'm the man here. I didn't see anything in him. Well, guess what? You were wrong. You were dead wrong. And the investment there was nothing to get a potential starter on your offensive line. And that's just one example of many. I mean, the Giants have whiffed on the offensive line with who they've taken under the Gettleman era and obviously the, the, the players they didn't take. But let's move forward. I think it's time. And we got to yeah. figure this thing out because Joe Shane said, look, I need to clear about 40 million in cap space this offseason. And that's tough. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, but it's doable. And what it will require is a ton of dead salary cap space. So just to give a little primer, a little bit of talk on what dead salary cap space means, it's essentially money that the Giants are paying against the cap for nothing to not have a player on their roster. That's what it is. So when you consider cutting these players, understand that if you they have big dead cap hits, you're essentially paying them that money to not be on the roster. So there's no real value in that for the next season. Like, it's a negative for the Giants in 2020. It hurts them greatly for the next season. But what it does do for them is clear cap space for a team that is currently over $10 million over the cap. So they minimum need to clear about 20, I would say, or 25 just to get the rookies in and to get under the NFL rules and then maybe sign a free agent or two on the offensive line. But why Shane probably wants to clear about 40 and get rid of some of these contracts for future seasons is so that he can clean this up and make this you know, a, a better situation for them in 2023 when they're going to start hopefully competing for something because hopefully, it's, yeah. hopefully yeah. man. I mean, basically this is just a penalty for bad decisions. In the right. Past. That's a good way to describe it. I think that's a great way to describe it, Nick. 
What's going on everyone? Football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Giants tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go to find NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just want to go check out the Giants, you know, pregame, hopefully they win a football game, then please head on over to TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Giants tickets. That's TickPick.com. Check it out, everyone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And Dan, before we get into your your first two steps here, there's two players on this roster that are obvious lock cuts. And I want to see who you feel like is more obvious out of the two cuts. And that is, of course, the punter Riley Dixon, which I think is going to be your answer. But Kyle Rudolph, too, because you can save some money on the cap. Which one do you feel like is just a lock? You have to get rid of this guy. You have to take the cap that you're going to get back from this individual because Kyle Rudolph is a little bit more than Riley Dixon's. Yeah. For me, still the lock and step one in my plan is what I call the obvious, which is cut Riley Dixon. Just truly amazing to me that there's actually some dead cat related to this cut, but thankfully only 322,000. They would save 2.8 million in cap space. Again, this is not crazy. That only is what, you know, 2.8 out of the projected, I'm going to have 44.1 million in cap savings from my plan. It's just over 40, but Nothing crazy, but at the same time, and I do apologize because I know Riley Dixon recently followed me on Twitter last year. I hope he's not a listener of the Big Blue Banter because we haven't been too kind to him, but he's just not that good. 
in general as a punter. And you just shouldn't be paying punters this kind of money anyway on a team like the Giants right now with where they're at. They are a rebuilding team, and hopefully they're going to rebuild this thing right, not like Gettleman did it with a kind of a half-assed plan that's kind of going forward and rebuilding and having three or four offseason spending sprees. Like, that's probably not going to happen under Joe Shane. And so you don't want to have a $2.8 million cap, cap hit punter, bunt and, sorry, cap hit at your punter position for a guy who's bottom five, bottom 10 punter in the NFL. So Dave Gettleman traded a pick for him and then almost immediately extended Dixon to a big contract after one, I guess, pretty good season in his first year. Weird all around, not advisable for the next GM, probably won't happen. But that's be my, my first one, Nick. Save that $2.8 million and take on 320000 in dead cap. And the Giants are already taking steps forward to kind of replace Riley Dixon when they signed punter Jamie Gillen, who was on the Bills practice squad towards the end of the year, and he was on the Browns before that. And it looks like Gillen, if he doesn't fall flat on his face, he has probably the fast track to be the punter for the New York Giants in 2022. Obviously, there's still uh, many things that can play out, but I think that the Scottish Hammer is going to be the punter and homeboy Riley Dixon is going to be bye-bye. Yeah, you're right. And then that gets to step two, which again is not as obvious for me, Nick, for a multitude of reasons. But but it would be to cut Kyle Rudolph, which would save five million in cap space. But also, it would take on two point four million in dead cap space. The reasons are why it's not so obvious for me are one, the Giants have done a horrific job of developing, drafting, and adding to the roster at the tight end position. If they do decide to move on from Evan Ingram, who's a free agent, which seems almost definite considering, A, they don't have any cap space right now. They're over the cap, and they're just looking to scramble to create cap space. And, B, he's not an inline player. He's a limited player from my mind uh, in a lot of ways. He's not a good route runner. He doesn't have natural hands. He's really – obviously, a lot of people think he can, he can, you know, excel in another system with a good quarterback. I wouldn't doubt it. Like if you put him with a sick quarterback, a lot of players can play well. You've seen a lot of players do well with good quarterbacks. That's kind of what the NFL is, but I'm not worried about that. Him doing well other places, but man, if they cut Kyle Rudolph, there's just nothing left outside of uh Caden Smith on this roster at tight end, which is not a good position to be in. You need to really have three tight ends in my mind in the NFL at minimum, especially with, you know, using 12 personnel, 13 personnel, sometimes, sometimes using these guys as H backs. So, it's not as much of a lock for that reason, but, and the other thing that's holding me back somewhat, Nick, is just the fact that, you know, those Liz Frank injuries tend to be one year where you see what you kind of saw with Rudolph last year, which was, which was that he was the slowest player on the field at all times. I mean, it, it was hard to watch on film at times, how slow he was in getting into his routes. Um, but listen, listen, one year removed from, the, from that, from that injury, you're supposed to gain back a lot of your, your speed and your athleticism, but he is on the wrong side of 30 as well. And so that may never come back. So for me, Nick, I am of the mindset of let's clear that five million in cap space, take on the two point four dead million, uh, two point four million in dead cap, and and move on from Rudolph. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen as well. And Caden Smith is an interesting name that I've seen around Giants circles as a possible cut candidate. Something I would hate, but he is somebody who would carry no dead cap whatsoever. And it would free up 2.5 million on the cap if he was released. Now, I am not advocating for that because I'm a big fan of Caden Smith and I feel like he's developed. Now, he was injured a lot last year and the Giants have literally nothing on this roster beyond Caden Smith. But I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that that is a potential avenue that they could go, even though I would not be for that just because I believe in his skill set as a number two tight end and a really good number three tight end. Yep. Great point, Nick. And, and I look, I looked at him. I, he was, he's not part of my eight step plan here. 
because I'm with you. But I looked at it, 2.5 million saving with zero dead cap. Um, and it just, to me, I'm with you. I feel like, honestly, if these guys had the same dead cap and the same cap space saved, I'd still rather cut Rudolph than Caden Smith. I would rather have Caden Smith than Kyle Rudolph on this roster for the same price. That's the that's basically what I see from Smith versus what I see from Rudolph. He's a better blocker, Smith. I think he's a better route runner, and I think he's a better receiver at this stage of his career just because he's faster. And he's really done well in a lot of different spots on a lot of different areas of the field as a receiver as well, Caden Smith, that doesn't get credit for. He was the same weapon for Daniel Jones in 2019. I don't know why the Giants never use him that way and since then or haven't used him that way since him. Obviously, injuries played a role. But I think what this says, Nick, is the fact that we're even discussing Caden Smith we're knowing that Evan Ingram is probably not going to be back, and we're and we're likely moving on from Rudolph. This is going to be a big draft for the Giants from a tight end standpoint. I think they're going to have to use one of those extra picks they've acquired, you know, on day two or day three for a tight end. Absolutely, and you know what? This tight end class doesn't have Kyle Pitts. It doesn't have anybody like that. But it has a lot of, I would say, solid tight ends that you can probably get early on day three. The Jake Ferguson's of the world, you know him uh, pretty well from Wisconsin. I'm a big fan of Jeremy Rucker. I don't know if he'd be there by day three. Isaiah Likely, more of a receiving type of guy from Coastal Carolina. Rucker is from Ohio State. You have Jalen Weidemeyer from Texas A&M, another really good receiving type of tight end with a really good frame, catches the ball away from his body. And then you have Trey McBride. He's not necessarily a natural separator, but he is somebody who is going to win contested catches and knows how to run routes. That's a kid from Colorado State. He had over 1,000 receiving yards and led the nation in catches at the tight end position at over 90. So there's a lot of, I would say, Interesting tight end options that are going to be available on day two and day three. And I think the Giants have to look at one of these individuals. Yeah, you know that, Nick. While it may not be as top-heavy as typical years, I actually think the tight end position, like you said, has more depth than I've seen in a long time, which is perfect because I don't want the Giants to use a first-round pick anyway at tight end, but I would love them to use one of those day two, three, day three picks if there's somebody worth it. And this class may actually have that, which is not the case in every class, which is a good thing, but remember when it comes to tight end, just keep it in mind. Think of all the past tight ends in each of the last five classes. You can look them up. It takes a long time at that position. Sometimes it does just doesn't happen. There's been so many whiffs in rounds two, three, and four at the tight end position over the last decade. It is one of the hardest positions to scout. It is, it's one of the shallowest positions in the NFL. It is a tough position to locate. And so I'm happy with them taking a swing. They have to. There's no other way to really find this position, but just keep that in mind. It may not happen right away for the Giants. And we may be reading articles like from the, you know, the fan websites like, oh, is XXX a bus? Is Jake Ferguson a bus? They draft him or is Jeremy Rucker a bus after year one or year two and give them time because it's going to take some time for these guys to develop, in my opinion, at that position. Let's remember the Beckham before Beckham. Does that still hurt, Dan? Yeah. Are you talking? Wait. Oh, oh Travis Beckham. No, no, no. Travis Beckham <laughs> was like, that was a min- <laughs> Hey, yeah, yeah. Travis Beckham, Wisconsin Badger, who the Giants selected. Weird guy. I've actually met him personally. I have a very odd story that I don't think I'll tell on the podcast because it's just so weird. I feel like I've have I told you this off pod, Nick? I I think you may have mentioned it, but we're yeah. gonna have to dive into detail about it uh, later. Okay. <laughs> this is a really odd, weird story of something that happened, an event that happened with Travis Beckham that I saw at Wisconsin. But and you guys have probably seen some rumors on him anyway, so just keep that in mind. But Travis Beckham was basically Evan Ingram before they drafted Evan Ingram. Amazing college receiver, but and minus the athleticism that Ingram had, probably more of the actual ball skills and receiver skills. But just these tight ends that can't line up in line, I'm just done with them. I'm so 
freaking done with these guys. I just give me the Caden Smith types. Give me the Rucker types. Give me the Ferguson's. Give me the guy who can line up on the line of scrimmage and block a little bit, or at least has the frame to compete there. I'll take that any day over these receiver types. But yeah, definitely, a, definitely a blast from the past. All right. Let's get into step three for me. This is when it starts to get real because obviously Riley Dixon and Rudolph it ain't ain't that real. We knew that we knew that's happening. Those are obvious, but this is when it starts to get real. And you mentioned this off pod, Nick, and I think you made a great point because I looked into this last night after you mentioned it. In his early in their early stages, Brandon Bean and Joe Shane were really aggressive in two things with rebuilding that Bills roster. One was taking on dead cap to clear up cap space and, and and have a healthier future. So I think as we work through my plan here, you'll see a lot of dead cap taken on, and that's just something the Giants are going to do. But two, which you mentioned, which I liked, was they were aggressive on the trade market. They were okay trading away contracts, especially because you know, look, a lot of these contracts the Giants have that they've pushed back and restructured, the Giants are on the books for those. So if they trade these players, the teams that are accepting these players and acquiring these players, Good for them because the Giants have already been t- on the hook for most of this money. The Giants are taking this dead money. Like they, all the bonus that they've already paid out the Giants, those teams acquiring these players, these big name players don't have to pay out. They just have to pay out the base and what's remaining. And so that makes them more tradable in my mind. No, it's not in my mind. Obviously, it makes them more tradable. And so step three for me is to trade James Bradbury cornerback who's been by far and away the best corner on the roster over the last two years, arguably the best player on the defense. Probably going to look at a fourth, maybe a third if they're lucky. Because again, remember, the Giants are taking on a lot of the dead cap here. So it's not a huge cap for any team that acquires them. So if you're the Chargers, for example, I was talking to Steve Haglin, who we had on the podcast from a Chargers guy. who's was like, I, you know, we really need a corner. And this might be a better route than going in the first round because he's proven, you know, we play enough zone and we don't have to take on too much of his cap hit. And so this move would save the Giants $12.1 million in cap space but it would take on a $9.7 million dead cap hit. Yeah. And then they bumped the, his contract back recently as well, if I'm not mistaken, which is another reason why the dead cap is so hefty. And then also, man, like this is like, this is one thing. This doesn't happen a lot where teams are just kind of tearing their roster apart and just looking to ship guys out. Like it happens, you know, a solid amount, but it, it's not always the case, especially for talented players like Bradbury. It's almost like a store going out of business and it's like, Hey, we got these guys, you know, 50% off, 75% off. This guy might be worth, you know, a second round pick, but you know what? You guys can have him for a fourth. Just take it. We'll pay it and, and, and um, just give us something for it. You know, and that's kind of where the giants and Joe Shane are at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And that's why they're looking to potentially trade guys. Like now it also helps in this case that the giants are going to be moving to a man heavy scheme with Wink Martindale and James Bradbury just simply doesn't fit this as well as he anywhere near as well as he fit the Patrick Graham system. He's also again, getting older in the tooth and you don't want to really be older in the tooth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew that one. Wasn't good. What is it? Older in the what? It's longer, longer in the tooth, longer in the tooth. And I knew that. And, 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 you know, you don't want to be having these, wrong side 30 type players. I know he's not quite there yet, but these wrong side 30 type players with your big cap hits, right? You don't want to be allocating all of your cap space to these side players. What you really want to do is be allocating it to those guys fresh off that rookie contract at 25, 26, 27 years old. And so it makes a lot of sense to me to move on from Bradbury from that standpoint. Doesn't really fit the system. Again, this is a rebuilding team, just tearing it all down. They don't exactly have the depth in my mind. <laughs> like again, like when you're all these moves we're going to talk about here, they don't really have any replacements behind these players. So it's just going to be lockbox into drafting immediate guys, or we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle a bit real bad in 2022. And it could be even worse than the product in 2021. Now I'm hoping the coaching 
I guess, upgrade, you can call it, makes up for that. And obviously the biggest hope here is you luck into one or two quality linemen right away, offensive linemen, and that, and a better offensive line fixes everything. Daniel Jones looks better with the better offensive line. All the stuff we've been hearing about why to hang on through with Daniel Jones. That could all still happen and make up for like not having a good corner, not having a Bradbury corner, or not having a few of the other players we're going to talk about where there's no real replacements behind them on the roster currently. But, you know, when you're rebuilding and tearing it down like this, I don't think it's fair to assume that the Giants are going to all of a sudden improve on what we've been seeing. And obviously the product already has been really bad. The product has not been good. And I wouldn't expect like a 2017 Buffalo Bills season when they finished nine and seven, they went to the wild card and they lost. I believe it was to the Jags. I expect like a 2018 Bills team where, <laughs> where they went like six and 10 and they missed the playoffs. I don't even know if the Giants are really in a position right now to where they're going to be able to win six games. Like this could be a really rough season, but it could be, you know, the the season that we need to to get the right. actual franchise quarterback and possibly do something similar to what the Cincinnati Bengals did. Now, with the Cincinnati Bengals, that's such an anomaly to be two and fourteen, and then two years later play in the Super Bowl. But I think the Giants could be terrible, and then two years later be a playoff contending team or a team that is going to make the playoffs if Joe Shane and Brian Dable are the individuals that we hope they are. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it, and. We'll see what happens there, but it gets to my fourth step, Nick, which I actually have not been on board with until today. And the only reason I'm on board with it now is because I don't really see any too many other options here. And again, they need to clear a lot of cap space. And that would be to trade Saquon Barkley for what I would hope to be a third round pick, but might have ultimately just be a fourth round pick. Now, why was I against it? Well, I've always kind of wanted to see what Barkley can be in a better system better quarterback play and better offensive line play. And I know that he'll be a healthier player next year. I think the ankle injury he suffered, I think all the injury he suffered this year played a big role in why he wasn't the player we thought he was going to be. But as I look forward and as I put it in the scope of what you just mentioned, which is kind of like taking a step backward in 2022 to take a bigger step forward in 2023. I know in my mind, I ain't getting on board with re-signing Saquon Barkley. That's it. I'm done with it. There's nothing that can change my mind on that. He has a massive, extensive injury history. He's not that great. of a, He's really a poor processor from a running back standpoint. He is an incredible athlete, explosive player, home run hitter, CJ 2K type, obviously. But with his injury history and my general disposition on paying running backs and allocating cap space to that position, I don't really see a future to him. So why not trade him now? It would save $7 million and get them a draft pick in what we expect to be a lost 2022 season anyway. Obviously, it would downgrade the running back position for 2022. It would downgrade their playmakers for 2022 and chance of explosive plays and touchdowns, which are all the reasons I wanted to keep him to begin with, Nick. But when I think about this from a long-term perspective and from what's best for the Giants' future, taking the $7 million in cap space they'll save now with dead zero dead cap because it's all guaranteed, and acquiring a draft pick to maybe reinvest in that running back position, try to find your Ramondre Stevenson, try to find your... Uh, Alvin Kamara round three, anything, you know, you could make those hits at that position in round three and four. To me, it's becoming closer to just a no brainer decision. Sadly, I'm in the same camp as you. And I talked about this on locked on giants with Patricia trainer yesterday. It it's an unfortunate situation because I don't feel like the giants maximize Saquon Barkley's unique skill set. He is an otherworldly talent, but that doesn't mean that he is the best processor and he he is just a fully rounded type of running backs. I don't necessarily believe that. 
but I think he could possibly get to that point. And I think his athletic ability definitely wasn't even close to being maximized by the New York Giants. I think another name to kind of throw in here too is running back Devontae Booker, somebody I really, really appreciated this past season, but the Giants can save 2.1 million in cap savings if they release him and only have 1 million in dead cap. So they get a little bit of a, a, a deal in that regard. I will say this. Do you think what what do you think the chances are, Dan, of Booker and Barkley both being on the roster in 2022? Do you think it's almost certain that one of them will be gone? I think it's almost certain one of them will be gone for sure. And you know, as we get through my plan, that was actually step six. We can we can jump ahead for quickly, but it's I'm with you. Cut Booker, save the 2.1 million cap space. You're taking on one million in dead cap, obviously. And has nothing to do with how Booker performed. He performed pretty damn well. But you got to look at this forward thinking. He's a limited player one. We know that. He's only getting older, so his skill set's not going to get better. And you can acquire players like Ramon J. Stevenson, who I'd much rather have right now than, than Booker on this roster, for 880000 or 780000 against the cap for four straight years on a rookie contract when you invest the third or fourth round pick in these players. And there's talent at the in the third and fourth rounds. Every year at the running back position, the Bills built out their entire you know roster this way by taking Singletary and Moss, and they haven't really hit on Moss yet. But Singletary looks pretty good, and he's looked like really good at the end of this season. And they're not the only examples. There are plenty. There's plenty of talented examples at that position. The best way to build out your running back position is just multiple swings in that third, fourth round range. Four year contracts, eight hundred eighty thousand against the cap. Having a booker on your roster for $2.1 million in cap space, it just doesn't make enough sense, especially for the long-term future of this team. So I would actually move on from both. That's step six. We can go, we can go back to step five in a second. It's another painful one for me. But, you know, I'm with you. I, I, I don't think there's a good chance both are on the roster, and I, I would move on from both and totally clean house at running back. So it would be a rookie, Gary Brightwell, and Antonio Williams, basically. as the Or, yes, or you just get one of these vet guys that have experience for the vet men. You know, for the one-year vet men. Gotcha. No, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. Again, this this season, I don't want to call it a punt season, but it is going to be a rebuilding season, and I think everybody can acknowledge that. Yeah, we have to be we have to be aware of it. And I normally we've been on this podcast in general looking at things both short term and long term, but it's hard to it's hard to back up any decision that looks at this short term at this point, like. The, the idea of looking at the Giants short term right now is not it's not it doesn't really appeal to me right now. And it's hard. I'm it's losing a lot of appeal. It should lose appeal to you guys, too, because a lot of their decisions to have that short and long term process with the Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman era are kind of what led to the position we're in now. There was a lean toward the short term at one point. There was some balance to it, but then there was a lean toward a lot of short term decisions that have led to a bad situation that they're in. And the Giants can't look at this next season like we need to maximize things for Daniel Jones to see if Daniel Jones is our guy. They have to look at it like we need to get our – I don't want to say the word, you know, because it's a family-friendly podcast. We need to get our crap together so we can compete in 2023 and 2024 and not be hamstrung by decisions that, we're, that we made like we are this offseason. I 100% agree with what you have to say, but let's get into your, your step five now that we already did step six. So this All right, so, so, so now we've cleared about – what is it? We've cleared 12, 19. We've cleared about 25 million in cap space with these first four decisions, cutting Riley Dixon, cutting Kyle Rudolph, trading Bradbury, trading Bark Barkley. Again, huge players on the roster, but what can you do? The fifth one, it sucks because he's a great dude. I've actually met him. I got to interview him after his rookie season. One of the nicest guys I've met. Talked to me 
X's and O's went deep into the into the scheme stuff. And that's Sterling Shepard. Great guy, but just can't avoid the injury bug. And now with this major injury that he has heading into the offseason, unfortunately for the Giants, this is one of those examples of, well, guess what? That all-in for Daniel Jones in 2021 approach, it backfires because they did push back Sterling Shepard's cap hit despite his injury history and despite his age. And so cutting Shepard is only going to clear 4.5 million in cap space with 7.9 million in dead cap. So essentially they're paying 7.9 million for him to not be on the roster or no, sorry, 5.4 million for him to not be on the roster. 7.9 minus the 4.5 because they're not saving anything with this decision technically. But having said that, Shepard may not play next year. He may not be able to return until late December, you know, maybe late November if he's lucky with this recovery. Could be sooner. Obviously, there's modern medicine these days. Cam Akers came back in a wild amount of time. But Akers is a younger athlete with his first major injury. Sterling Shepard has had a lot of these lower body injuries pile up. He's an older player at this point. And so for me, I'll eat that 7.9 million in dead cap, and I'll save the 4.5 by unfortunately cutting Shepard. That's going to be some sour 7.9 million to eat right there. But I, I agree at the same time. I mean, you're not going to get anything from Shepard now and he's not a part of the future. Unfortunately, he's one of the first players that come to a lot of giant fans minds. I mean, we talked about it last year, even before they pushed his salary cap back that he was probably going to be somebody that they would release. And that was before they drafted Kadarius Tony. And then once they drafted Kadarius Tony, we were like, Oh yeah, man, I don't think Shep's going to be here throughout the entirety of his contract. Then he suffers this injury. I just don't really see how they can clear 40 million without probably releasing someone like Sterling Shepard who was injured. Yeah. And it's crazy because like there have been years, man, where Sterling Shepard has been the best player on film for the giants, like dating back through his entire career. He's been the best route runner by far. He doesn't really drop passes. He's tough at the catch point. And it just, he just can't seem to stay healthy for whatever reason. It could be the fact that the, the freaking field turf at MetLife stadium is destroying everyone who plays on it. And obviously you saw Debo Samuel talk about the turf in the Super Bowl and how the NFL should get rid of it. Seriously, though, these these owners just pay the money now. It's it's just like it's like the global warming thing. I don't want to get into politics, but like pay the money now. Don't worry about the You know, for a better future, pay the money now. It's going to cost you a little bit to redo these fields, but you're going to keep your good players healthy. The players that make your league healthy, the players that make you money healthy. And so it just sucks. But I feel like that turf has totally ruined his career. He's had a lot of injuries at MetLife Stadium and. And it's just at this point, they have to move on from him. And so that's the sixth move. We already dipped into step six, which was cut Booker. At this point, we've now created a good amount of cap space, but there's still more to go. And so my seventh move, another unfortunate one, which is literally only because of injury, but cut Nick Gates, save the 2.1 million in cap space. It's only an $879,000 dead cap hit. Fortunately with Gates, you just can't, put any kind of clear timeline on when he can return to the field and if he can return to the field at the same level because he did have that Alex Smith level gruesome injury that takes a and you guys saw the scar he posted a pic of him <coughs> excuse me working out on Twitter the other day you just you saw the size of that scar on Nick Gates leg man that looked ugly and I feel terrible for Gates I hope that it's a situation where they can cut him now at this contract price and re-sign him cheap give him a one-year prove it whenever he's ready to play and then re-sign him if he does prove again to be what he was like kind of like a, you know, handshake type of deal. Like, look, we're going to cut you now to clear the cap space. Cause we're just desperate for cap space, but we'll give you a chance to come back and it'll be a one year thing. And, and if you get back to that level, we'll give you 
what you were paid and more on your next contract, that type of thing. So that would kind of be where I see the Nick Gates thing at. With Nick Gates, I'm hoping it's more of a pay cut situation. You know, have him rehab right. that just terrible leg injury, keep him in the organization. He acknowledges that he may not be able to play this year. I, I would much rather see that because three million that's a that's a big cap hit for for 2022 for a guy who may not be able to play. And I know I think Duggan pointed out that it's going to cost the Giants more money in the long term because he has an injury protection benefit in his contract. And I'm not 100% certain how that's going to factor into the Giants releasing him. But that's something that he pointed out and I wanted to acknowledge as well. It could factor into the decision of releasing Nick Gates. But something probably has to be done about that $3 million cap hit. And I'm hoping that it's just a pay cut that he will acknowledge and then he will stay with the Giants and hopefully get healthy soon. Yeah, exactly. And it's still a situation where I'm with you. I would love that he has his future with the, with the Giants. I just don't know if I'm in the position of thinking that this thing's going to work out that well because it just seems like a, an injury that's tough to come back from. And we'll see it with Gates because obviously a player we love and a player they need. Um, all right, my last step, step eight, another tough one for me because I, I, I have such a tough time, Nick, looking at this fully long-term because I hate the idea of like, not necessarily punting the next season, but just like downgrading their roster major in the next season. This will be a major downgrade for the roster, as I believe it was this season when he wasn't on the field. I thought it made a big difference in why the defense took a massive step back from what it was at. And that's to cut or trade. Obviously, I put trade in there, though I think it's very unlikely any team would trade for him. Blake Martinez. And with Blake, again, coming off the ACL, it was an early ACL, so I think he'll be fully ready for next season. But it's just a long-term perspective on this one, Nick, because is he the future middle linebacker at his advanced age and going into what would be his final year of the contract? Like, would they resign him if they keep if they decide to keep him and not clear the cap space? Is he part of their future? And I don't know. But what I do know is if they cut him now, they'll save $8.5 million in cap space while taking on $5.5 million in dead cap space. So basically, it's essentially paying $3 million or saving $3 million for him to not be on the roster. Can you find someone to replace him for $3 million for next year? No. <laughs> of course not. It's hard enough to find inside backers in the NFL, but you look at it more long-term and you say, can you find your guy in this draft or the next draft class who could be your next Blake Martinez? And that's possible. You know, that's certainly in play if the Giants draft right. So this is a tough one for me, man, but I, I would cut Blake to save that $8.5 million. Yeah, it's a tough one. I totally see where you're coming from, uh, to be honest, sadly, because I'm a big Blake Martinez fan, but Joe Shane wants to get that cap to that number. 40 million saved plus I think Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, they have to be involved in that because saving 12.1 million for Bradbury and then 8.5 million for Martinez is pretty hefty and it's a good way to start trying to get to 40 million in saved money. It sucks, man, but Joe Shane said it best. You know, there's going to be a lot of tough decisions and tough decisions are going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And so with that final step of this plan, the Giants would save would have cleared $44.1 million, about $44.1 million in cap space with these eight steps. And they would take on just under $27 million in dead cap, which would bring their number of dead cap just above $31 million. Because remember, they're taking on $4 million in dead cap with Nate Solder. Somehow this contract continues to toil over. This is just one of the most absurd contracts the Giants have had. They brought him back as a swing tackle when he couldn't play last year. And now they're still paying dead cap on him this year. But whatever, it's finally off the books. But that would take them to over $31 million in dead cap, which actually wouldn't be even the most dead cap they've had going into a season in recent years. Gettleman had a year where he had the Beckham contract on his dead cap and the JPP contract and a couple others. I think Omame was on there and a few others. And that was even more 
more than the 31 million in dead cap. So look, dead cap is not a great thing to have. It obviously makes it tough to win for that year, but I believe it's necessary for the future health of this roster and this franchise. Yes. And there's two players that we didn't mention who I don't believe should be released. So let's preface it with that, but they carry very little dead cap and over $2 million in savings. And that is wide receiver Darius Slayton and then safety Julian love. I don't think either should be released. Uh, If I had to pick one to be released, it'd probably be Slayton, but I don't think that should happen. But if the Giants decide to go in that direction, you can release Darius Slate and save $2.5 million with a dead cap of only $59K. With Julian Love, you can save $2.5 million with a dead cap of only $193,000. So those are other options. I don't think it should be executed, as I already said. But desperate times, hard and tough decisions have to be made. Those are two names to throw out there. I actually think Love would be perfect and really good at Martindale's system. So I'm hoping that maybe they can even extend him if they if they want to look to do that. But those are two names that I I felt like had to be brought up into this conversation as well. Yeah, you're damn right. And uh, and a third one would be O'Shane's imminence, who they might just cut mm. anyway. I feel like that one you'd probably be more open to them cutting, correct? Yeah, I would be more open to. I don't know how O'Shane would. Save much. Yeah, I mean O'Shane, I don't see how he's going to like i can see him having success as like a slanter and and you bring him into pass rushing situations and you can use him on stunts and loops when you want to bring four man he can drop into coverage but you ask him to defend the run bro he's just going to get plowed over he's not he's never been somebody who you can rely on as a as a sam type of linebacker who can play the run and and take on even like tight end blocks adequately he's somebody that you want as like a will and I, i just if you could save money for that release, that's probably, I would take that over releasing Julian Love any day of the week. Yeah. And I'm with you on Love. Like it's not just short-term for me. Like, yes, short-term, I think he's a great fit for Wink Martindale system, but long-term I would love to resign him to a reasonable contract, get rid of Logan Ryan's absurd contract. And you have him in, in, in like a, in a third safety type role, or, you know, that guy who can play a bunch of different roles on your defense for a pretty solid price, kind of what they did by resigning Nick Gates early. So to me, he's part of the short and long term. As far as Slayton goes, I wouldn't cut him, but I do wonder if my decision is more based on short term, because I don't necessarily know that I see a future for Slayton, but what I know is they don't have any depth at receiver. So I hate the idea of cutting him from that standpoint. And I don't want to keep pouring picks in that position because they have so many other positions they're going to have to draft, especially if they got Blake, they got to get a linebacker immediately, maybe two. If they got Bradbury, they got to get a corner in this draft, in my opinion. They obviously have to do all the things they have to do on the offensive line. Then you also add receiver into that. That's partially why I'm kind of off on Slayton as well. Yeah, and that's totally understandable. And I think you laid it out pretty well right there, Dan. For sure. All right. Anything else on the giant salary cap situation right now, Nick? Nah, it should be an interesting year. That's that's all I'll say. Yep. And stay tuned with the Big Blue Banter podcast. Obviously, I'm on a little bit of vacation now, but we'll be back. There's going to be a lot of draft coverage, a lot of free agency coverage. We're going to have a lot of great guests on like we did last offseason. We're going to try to do the same thing we did last year, which is the podcast today in April. We'll see if we can do it again. It was a lot of fun last year. So thank you again. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.